0: A couple of days ago, the Montreal Canadiens traded Tyler Toffoli to the Calgary Flames. Now there's talk of Jeff Petrie moving, there's talk of Ben Chirot moving, there's talk of other players moving. Kent Hughes says he doesn't think he'll make five deals. One of our insiders thinks if he does, he's probably going to trade with the New York Rangers. The great Pierre Lebron is coming up on the SICK Podcast. Turn Turn
1: up your volume
0: because you're about to listen to
1: The Sick Podcast, the Sick Podcast. with Tony Maradero. The Sickest Montreal Canadians Podcast. And
0: now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment
1: like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by Nature.
0: He works for TSN, he works for RDS, he works for The Athletic. Everyone wants him. You want to know why? Because he's great at what he does. He's one of the premier NHL insiders in the world. Pierre Lebrun, good afternoon. Tony, the checks in the mail,
1: brother. That was as good an intro as you're ever going to have. Or I should hire you as my agent in in my next
0: deal. Yeah, I don't think I'm very good at that. I think you're doing quite well uh, the way you're going. Pierre, what an honor today. Uh, and, and once again, I mean, I, you know, uh, I wasn't pumping your tires. I was saying it the way it is. You are one of the premier hockey insiders in the world. And for that, I feel blessed that we have you on the SICK podcast today. So thank you very much.
1: Well, too kind. But uh, long overdue that you and I connect, Tony. Obviously, I've enjoyed your work over the years. And yeah, so passionate. Uh, and the way that you do what you do, buddy, uh, you're connected to that Montreal fan base, boy. So this is great.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature, like myself and Pierre. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. Pierre, we're going through a difficult time here in Montreal, and not just because the Canadians are at the bottom of the standings, which, by the way, I've embraced the tank, and I also say, no pain, no shame. But... uh, But the reason why they're going, you know, Montrealers are going through a particularly hard time over the past couple of days is that Tyler Toffoli was a fan favorite here. Mm-hmm. He loved it here. He had two and a half years left on his contract at $4.25 million. He chose to come here as a free agent a couple of years ago. He was a mentor to Suzuki and Caulfield and and Jake Evans, a great friend to them. Marty St. Louis just told us uh, yesterday that for him, Toffoli didn't have the C, but he was the captain in that locker room. So because of that, a lot of people are saying, okay, we understand they have to rebuild, and we understand that they have players that they want to trade. But why him? Can you answer that for us?
1: Yeah, and certainly I can tell you, Tony, that um – I don't get the sense from talking to other front offices around the league that they even thought Tyler Toffoli was in play. That that the sense I'm getting here is this was all Calgary Flames fueled. That Brad Treliving had it in his mind, and of course his head coach is Daryl Sutter, who had Tyler Toffoli in L.A. But the Flames pushed really hard on on Tyler Toffoli. So you know, I, I think that what you'll see happen here over the next 12 to 24 months as Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon put their imprints on this on this roster transformation, is that there are certain guys that they will be shopping and there'll be other guys where it's like, we didn't really wanna move them, but there's a certain price point in terms of the kind of assets that are coming back where we have to say yes. And I think the latter is what's happened here in, in the Tyler Toffoli deal where I don't think that, I mean, I know that Kent Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon, were not necessarily going to move Tyler Toffoli before this deadline, but Calgary pushed the package to a point where the assets make too much sense for a team that's undergoing a transformation here. So that's my sense of that. It's painful to trade to Foley not just for all the reasons that you mentioned, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, but also because it's a cap friendly deal. That was a really good signing by Mark Bergman at the time in that weird October free agency of a couple of years ago in the pandemic, because one of the things that had happened is there was such a freeze effect. Uh, I think it was October 9th that year, free agency and, only a couple of the top players got money, and then some good players were still sitting there three days later, remember? And yeah. then Montreal, Montreal swooped in and got Tyler Tafoli at that price. Um, but again, like, like I'll give you an example. I don't think the Montreal Canadiens want to deal with Josh Anderson. I think he's one of the players, I think that Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon have said, okay, he's he's, he's going to be left standing on the other side of this roster transformation, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't say 100%. Because there might be a team that views Josh Anderson as the kind of playoff difference maker, where they come to Montreal and say, X, X, X. And you're left standing there and and you're like, oh, my God. Are we really going to say no to this? Yeah. So I think we have to keep our mind open here as to how – I think Kent Hughes kind of alluded to this, not in today's availability, but in a previous one, where he talked about how he's not ready to sit down and give us the exact – this point's going to connect to that point, going to connect to that – they're going to be a little reactionary in how this flows, which I think is more realistic. In other words, they can't predict the kind of calls they're going to get on certain guys. So again, to recap, I don't think the Foley was on their sell list, but he became sellable when Calgary wouldn't take no for an answer. And that's how I think they're going to proceed here with a lot of their guys.
0: When you were doing your great work and you were tipped off that uh, the flames and the Habs were talking trade, and that trade goes down, and we're hearing it's a prospect, and then it's Emil Heineman, Knowing that Emile Poitier and Jacob Peltier are from the province of Quebec and both mm-hmm. were top five prospects for the Flames, when that deal was announced, knowing the way it works here and the importance of trying to get Quebec-born players, were you surprised that one of those players was not in that deal?
1: So I can't say that I was, totally only because... I had talked to a source in Calgary that said that those guys would not be uh, attainable for Montreal in a trade. Wow. So, so I I already knew that. I will tell you that I believe, and I want to be careful here. I'm not saying hundred percent, but I believe from a source I talked to that the Canadians would have probably taken Peltier over the first round pick in 22, if that was an option.
0: Wow.
1: Right. Do Pelce yeah. and Heinemann as, as the package. Yeah, and and the other thing, and I know you've talked about this as well. I, I think the cat's out of the bag here, but this Calgary Montreal deal was originally had a bigger framework than what it ended up being, in in, in terms of Ben being part of the deal, but then the Habs needing other items from Calgary. Yeah, and, and so I think what happened is I think the Flames kind of clamped down on which prospects they were willing to move. So to answer your question, I, I think for I, I think the Habs did ask about.
0: For example, yeah, what are you hearing about Heineman? Because we've heard many reports from different scouts and independent scouting services, but for the most part, the thing that keeps coming up more and more is that, yeah, aggressive skater, aggressive player, a great shot, but maybe a third liner in the National Hockey League. Chances are he's not going to be a top two liner. Um, are you hearing the same thing? And if so, could they not have done better?
1: You know, uh, hard to say. First of all, to your point, the skating is what I'm getting back the most is that uh, scouts really love the way this guy moves. And I think that's going to be a trend in a lot of things I like Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon do here over the next 12, 24 months is uh-huh. trying to improve the speed of this team. But I can't sit here right now and tell you exactly where I think he's going to fit in the lineup. I think we have to see his development play out. And I get it. Everyone wants answers now, and and but... A lot of these trades, you have to go back later and look at them, right? I mean, you know, one of my favorite ones ever is, is is uh, you know, the Habs dumping uh, expiring contracts of Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman on Chicago at the deadline for a young Philip Deneau. Did we know that day?
0: Did and we know th- that day, Tony? Yeah. Right? And, and a third-round pick that ended up being Alexander Romanov, by the way. Right, right. Yeah.
1: So I'm just saying, I know that we want answers now on this Toffoli deal, but we're obviously going to have to circle back. Um, but I think the, the the macro point in all this, and we'll see how successful Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon will be able to, to pull this off, but it's clear to me that getting players that have already been drafted in the last couple of years is a priority more so than picking up more draft picks for the Montreal and, and And so... You know, they already have 12 picks, of course, in the draft in, in, in July. And I tweeted about this earlier today. About, well, if you'll
0: allow me, Pierre. Sure, go ahead. Let's yeah. go to that tweet right now. And we should be bringing it up any second here. Keep an eye on the Rangers and the Habs between now and March 21st. I think Montreal covets some Rangers prospects. Habs could fill some Rangers needs. Montreal would rather add prospects over picks. Already have 12 picks for the July draft. Rangers pipeline drawing habs, drawing habs interest. So, two questions on that. Number one, I agree with you with the picks, but shouldn't they be coveting picks in 2023, Pierre? Uh,
1: they are, and so I was about to get to that after we talk about the Rangers. First of all, I'm not guaranteeing a Rangers habs deal, I just know that I believe those teams have already talked, and we'll probably talk again between now and the 21st. Obviously, those guys all know each other, right? Um, And I think that the Habs have elements that the Rangers have looked at, whether it's Sherrod or Luckinen or other guys. The Rangers have some needs both up front and on the back end. Now, where it might get derailed for Montreal is that the Rangers have a lot of things going on. I think the Rangers are really high on Thomas Hurdle, but they have to wait and see how that plays out in San Jose, whether Thomas Hurdle signs an extension with the Sharks or becomes available in the trade market. How does it play out with vancouver and jt miller another trade another trade target for the new york there's all these things going on with the rangers because they're they want they want to you know be a competitive playoff team but the pipeline that the rangers have one that obviously uh the habs are, are, are you know well not just jeff corden because he was there but ken Hughes knows a lot of those players um that's for sure alluring to the Habs. so let's see where that goes it may go nowhere but i think there's some some potential there to your point again I'm going to go back to the Calgary deal not only did I think you know I'm sure Montreal would love to get Peltier I bet you and I don't know this but I bet you Tony again mm-hmm. I'm trying to connect dots and yeah to know what the Habs are doing now I bet you that the Habs actually once they realize they couldn't get a certain prospect I bet you they would have preferred to get the 23 first round pick from Calgary rather than 22 well, yeah yeah so I think you're on to something. I think that let's see what other picks come into play here between now and the 21st for the Habs. But I do think they want to try a get prospects instead if they can, but b not just be 22 draft picks because they have so many already. But yeah, I think you'll see some 23s in there.
0: Yeah. So which prospect do you think? And they have several of them. Uh, could you see the Rangers moving? Because I mean, I know everyone's thinking of Kratzovs.
1: That that would be the obvious. To yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be the obvious, but you know, I I,
0: 20, what is he? 20 years old. I think winger KHL 2021, big body, six foot three.
1: Yeah. And and there's sort of a sense of of where does he fit into the Rangers plans? Right. That's come out before. um, Yeah. But having said that, you know, the interesting to me again, um, is where else I, I wonder where else Montreal's identified that type, you know, that type of pipeline and opportunity trade-wise. Yeah. Right? So let's let's just look at Sherrod, for example, teams that that I think have foam Montreal and Sherrod. Florida, for sure. Um, uh, St. Louis, Boston, I was told uh, uh, a couple of days ago, have checked, the Bruins have checked in on Ben Chirot. Uh We talked about the Rangers. I think the Flames are not out of the picture on Ben Sherrod. Despite- wow. Despite that part of the deal falling through, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me at the flames between now and March 21st phone back. So m- my point is to you is, you know, I think the Canadians in their pro meetings, which they had a few, uh, I'm trying to remember when they had them. I think it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, they would have gone through every pipeline. Right. And say, can we get it on that guy, that guy, that guy, Th- that's what's going on here. Yeah. Um, And, and, and so, so that's important. The other thing on Sharat, and I know Kent Hughes was asked specifically about my report from Insider Trading last night. I mean, obviously, I don't think he can come out and spell everything out. Of course,
0: he can. <laughs> exactly, though. but
1: but there's no Which question. I about,
0: can. I believe you said that. Expect Sharat to be traded within seven to ten days.
1: I, I, I said not not quite that far. I said it's a strong possibility. Now the reason it may ultimately not happen, I think, what's happening here is, and that's why I gave myself an out on Insider Trading, is that. I Think the Canadians have told teams we're ready to do this. I mean, clearly they were when in fact yeah. they were talking to Calgary about him. But here's the so who which team is ready to
0: which get by the, the way he had, line? He had so Kent then, so Hughes admitted, yeah. by the way, Kent Hughes admitted earlier today. He said, Listen, he says, I can trade Sher- uh, Sherrod tomorrow, I can trade him in two weeks. But I'll tell you this, if I get an offer that I like, I'm willing to do it right away. And and that's
1: essentially what I was saying last night. On yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying is that the Canadians don't feel they necessarily have to drag it out to March 21st. They're willing to take the risk of maybe the offer gets better, but there's also the risk of the Chirac get hurt again. So so I think that's exactly what I was trying to spell out. Yeah, is that. Within the next seven to ten days, if they feel there's a team that's there that's pretty much in their parameters, and I think the parameter is either a first plus an asset, or the asset is a prospect they like instead. Some you know somewhere in that range. Got it. Then I think they pull the trigger.
0: And by the way, he said in regards to Jeff Petrie, if there's a trade that makes sense for both teams, we're going to do it. Uh, that presser earlier today, man, is Kent Hughes refreshing or what? The transparency yeah. has never been better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hope it continues. I, I don't know if sometimes what I find with GMs after a while is they realize their words come back to bite them and now they b- become a little more evasive over time as they gain experience in that job. But I hope that doesn't happen because I think it's great, especially for your market that is so passionate and, and has so many questions and, and a fan base that uh, has an appetite of no end for that type of stuff. So it, it was great. And listen, the Jeff PC, Jeff Petrie situation is, is is rather obvious, is that... You know, I did an interview with Doug Armstrong earlier this week where where just generally speaking, Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, talked about this new element that's affected the trade deadline that they didn't really have before the pandemic, which is the cap has stopped going up. And it used to be that if you traded for a player that had term on his deal, that was an added bonus compared to a rental player who was UFA, that you were getting a guy not just for this playoff run, but for other playoff runs. And there was added value, what we call a hockey deal as opposed to a rental deal. But uh, it was interesting to hear Doug Armstrong talk this week, and he's done a million trade headlines, as you know, Tony. He's like, well, you know, trading for players with term now is not so obvious because what we've seen the last two off seasons since the pandemic and the the cap freezing is that teams are struggling to move money. The, The cost is exorbitant to create cap space. The Flyers have to pay the Coyotes to take Shane Goss' bear. The Washington Capitals have to pay through the nose at the trade deadline a year ago in that Manta deal with Detroit, which was all about, at the end of the day, not only getting a good player, but creating cap space for the offseason so they could sign Ovechkin to an extension. The the value of cap space right now in this world for the NHL, for the cap staying here, but salaries keep going up, is at a level that I've never seen in the history of the salary cap in the NHL since 2005. The, the premium on cap space is unbelievable. This is where I'm going here with the difficulty of trading Jeff Petrie. There's no question that every GM I've talked to knows that Jeff Petrie is a much better player than what he's shown this year. So they're willing to accept what Ken Hughes is telling teams. You know, you're, you're training for the guy that we've seen the last five years, not the guy that's this year. That part has actually been accepted by a lot of teams. That's good. But the hard part is uh-huh. he's got three more years at 6.25 million. And there are teams that simply cannot take that deal on right now without knowing for sure that I won't create chaos for them this off season. Not now. They could do it now, but what about the off season when everything lines up? That's going to be the difficulty for, for Kent Hughes and and the Montreal Canadiens. I think they can move him for March 21st, but I think Habs fans have to mitigate their expectation on return because the Habs don't want to retain any salary on that deal. They don't want to be paying for Jeff Beecher the next three and a half years. So if someone's taken that deal full on, I don't think you're getting a Tyler Toffoli return, is what I'm saying.
0: So that said, if the Canadians choose to go full rebuild, which, uh, you know, it definitely looks like that, Pierre, how do you end up moving Carey Price, who hasn't played a game yet this season, who turns 35 in August, mm-hmm. who's had his share of injuries? who's had a setback on his knee injury, you would think, because he's working out in the gym now, not on the ice, hasn't played a game, uh, is a declining asset, has 10.5 on the cap for the next four years, and Brendan Gallagher, who looks like he's running out of gas with each game that goes by, who has $6.5 million for the next five years after this year. Mm -hmm. So knowing that reality that you just talked about, and the cap and teams not wanting to take on money and the Canadians not really interested in paying some of it. How do the Canadians move price and Gallagher if this is a full rebuild?
1: I don't know right now that they want to move Gallagher, I would start off with. I think that he's one of those guys, leadership-wise, that right now you might see as a guy that's still left standing among a few others. So I could be wrong about that, but that's the sense I'm getting right now. And part of that is his own desire, I think, to stay. Um but we'll revisit that one day I mean it's hard to know right now um I will quibble with you on your opening statement there about the full rebuild I'm not convinced it is a full rebuild okay and I the only reason I think that Tony there's going to be a lot of change and they're getting younger so maybe we're semantics what you got you and I are are arguing about but Uh I think it's interesting even today again in that in that news conference that Neither Kent Hughes or Jeff Gordon, since they've come on board, have been comfortable giving this process a word. You notice that?
0: I think it scares the fan base, Pierre.
1: Well, I don't think it's just that. And this is more my theory than than than, than information. Tell me. But I think Jeff Molson has to sell tickets the next few years. And I think that there is not an appetite from Molson himself to drop a crater on this roster like the Coyotes are doing in Arizona. So I think what this is going to end up being, and then again, we're playing with words. There's no question guys are going out the door and they're getting younger, but I think guys are staying too. I think it's more of a transition retooling that there are guys that have to be in this lineup next year. The Montreal Canadiens have a business to run. Okay. That's my opinion. I could be wrong. So let's revisit it in a year. But, but that's well, the one thing I would say to
0: you. Well, it's interesting you say that because um, to, to, to to cement that, um, Kent Hughes did talk about, uh, a, you know, the next two years. Let's take a look at the tweet for the exact uh, thing that he said, or pretty much. He says he's not looking to completely dismantle this team and get the first pick overall in the next two years. So that leads you to believe, Pierre, that you're right. But I have to say this. There are players like Berard and Michkoff in the 2023 draft. If you're bad, you might as well be terrible. I want them to tank next year. Well,
1: it's certainly unfortunate that this particular season isn't happening a year from now from that perspective. I mean, the highlights from the dub right now, it's like, oh my gosh, that's that's unreal for sure. But that's the thing. Not all first overall picks are created equal, right? I mean, there's so much luck in... In terms of a winning the lottery and B the year in which you you get the, the top pick, but yeah. having said that, I mean whether the Canes end up with Shane Wright, who I think is going to have an unbelievable career, or someone else, they're going to get a great player in July. Um, but it's also and whether or not that statement from you cements my theory and all this or not, but it it also feeds into what we talked about earlier, Tony, about them wanting to get as many prospects that are already drafted in these trades as possible, as opposed to future draft picks. So that, I think yeah. that all feeds into timeline wise, because those players would be on a quicker pace to join the NHL roster. Can't
0: you said that today? You said when they were looking at Heinemann, who's a former second round pick, if they would have got a second round pick instead in return, Heineman, having been drafted a couple of years ago is already a couple of years ahead of right. his development as right. to someone who would be a second round pick. Now, uh, uh talking about no, get, tickets next hold on. year.
1: Hold on. Let's get to 31 though. Cause I don't want to dodge. that. Yeah.
0: Oh, please, please do.
1: Okay. The reality as far as I can tell right now is that I don't think the Canadians have a clue on how the carry price thing is, is going to play out. And, and that's just complete honesty. I think, I think everyone's sitting back going, you know, let's hope this happens. Let's hope he can come back. But I mean, for carry, for what the franchise, you know, loves this guy and, and and everyone wants to see this happen this year, but they don't know if it will. And then beyond that, as you said, what does the future hold? Now, you know, I've talked to a few teams that, and this was a few months ago, that were eager to see Kerry Price come back so that they could at least prepare themselves for the offseason yeah kind of know and not even maybe because they were going to make a call on price but maybe they knew another team would and then that would have a domino effect for yeah so, so you know price could affect the entire goalie market basically yeah. depending but there's no question in my mind that it, that if price can come back this year and show that he's the old carry price even for a two-week period and finishes the year in a high note that that could be just enough given his rep i mean tony the fact that Doug Armstrong, on the record, after the NHL pulled out of the Olympics, I wrote a column in the Athletic with Doug Armstrong about stepping down as GM of Team Canada with the NHL pulling out. He didn't hide it. They had a spot for Carey Price as long as he played, like, two games. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the the respect that people around the league still have for Carey Price.
0: Which is good, yeah.
1: Which is good. But But, again, let's see now. I have no idea if he's going to play this year. And then if he does, what are we going to think of it? How is he going to feel about it? And then let's say all the max positive things happen. He's back for a couple of weeks. It's a carry priceable, feels good. Um, Is it enough for a couple of teams this summer, especially teams who were extremely disappointed with their playoff performance? The playoffs always impact everything that happens. And it's a team that says we're one carry price away from getting over the hump even with all of those circumstances lining up, which are big ifs, right? I still think the only way that a trade happens is if the Habs eat 50% of the entire deal. Yeah. That they make Carey Price a five plus million dollar deal. I got A, B instead of 10.5.
0: Or or a three-way deal and they eat 50 and team B eats 25. And now the team that acquires them only has 25% to eat. Can you see that happening? I don't see
1: that happening okay? because the, the, the three ways that we've seen have largely dealt with expiring deals over the last couple of years. Got it. Being a broker team and and be willing to eat five, you know, I guess it wouldn't be five. It would be what, two and a half million a year for four years is a pretty big commitment. Most of the broker deals we've seen that you're talking about involve you know, got it. We're taking this cap it for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but who knows? Speaking yeah. of selling tickets, and we're gonna to get to that in just a second. But any player, any team you want to pick up their jersey, sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our sick merchandise. Use code six fifteen for fifteen percent off on all of their items. You sent out a tweet about a week ago which really caught my attention. And oh. I already know you know what I'm talking about. All right. Now you talked about selling tickets. And um, people like to buy tickets uh, if a team has offensive hockey players or skilled hockey players. So now on to Johnny Hockey. Let's go to that tweet. <laughs> Just an idle thought. If, for whatever reason, Johnny Gaudreau doesn't resign in Calgary and hits the UFA market July 13, his agent Louis Gross also was Marty St. Louis' agent, and St. Louis was a player Godro looked up to growing up. Like I said, just an idle thought. All right, that uh, that created a bit of a
1: that created a bit of a stir on Twitter. I, I you're
0: lately. probably going <laughs> to deny this because you said it was an idle thought, but I know you all too well, Pierre Lebron, and I've been in the business long enough to know that somebody probably whispered in your ear that it could be a possibility, as much as it was probably an idle thought possible not, yes am
1: i allowed to say no comment or uh, no i guess i'm not so here's what i'll say is that is that first of all uh especially given how the flame season is playing out um you know there's still absolutely a chance trying to go resigns in calgary at the end of the year i mean i mean he's enjoying playing for daryl sutter the flames are becoming an it team right now all those things are real but it is a bit of a red flag that they didn't get this done before this year for a franchise player. Let's be honest. I mean, he's UFA July 13th. um, And, you know, you know, things will pick up again after the season and the flames have time, but for a guy like that, you want to lock those guys up before the season starts and it didn't happen. So, so that's a fact that's undeniable. Yeah. All the other things I said in that tweet are also a fact a, that he really looked up to Marty St. Louis. Um B that Marty St. Louis longtime agent Lewis Gross is the same agent as Johnny Goudreau's.
0: <laughs> There's many facts. Yeah.
1: And and you know that tweet... See, was-
0: see if I can add that okay. based on what we're hearing regarding St. Louis' vision and philosophy, you would think it would it 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 would bring out the best in Johnny Goudreau if he was here.
1: Well, and and put aside Johnny Goudreau for a second, I'll get back to him. But in general, if this Marty St. Louis coaching thing is is successful, and I think it will be. I mean, success not based on wins and losses with this team right now, but in terms of what we think is the impact on players the rest of the year, right? Yeah. He he has the kind of calling card that I mean. I'm just going to point out something that I know was difficult to hear for some Canadian markets, but a lot of free agents don't want to sign in Montreal. That that has been the case yeah. for a while now. Yeah. A guy like Marty St. Louis can be a bit of an equalizer. There are players who are like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like the way that players love playing for Rob Brindamore in Carolina. Yeah. I think that Marty has has the potential. Now, let's see. He's only been on the job for a bit. But he could be that kind of calling card as well. Going back to Goudreau, all things being equal, and I couldn't put all the info in that tweet that I had in my mind, but yeah, I still think it's more likely that he goes south of the border and somewhere in the northeast would be optimum for him, right? That's normal, given his yeah. words. But I did want to put out there that sometimes – this is how our business is sometimes, the connections, the of relationships. Course. So I'm, I'll just leave it at that.
0: The connections and the relationships are what brought Kent Hughes to Jeff Gordon and what brought Marty St. Louis uh, to Kent Hughes and Gordon, right? The, those are those relationships you were talking about. It doesn't, It's not any yeah. different for players. All right, this has been a ton of fun, but I don't want to um, – Uh, keep you any longer, because I know how busy you are, but I'm going to, if in ending here, I want to throw out four or five names and ask you if you think Kent Hughes will deal them before the March 21st deadline. Okay. So we've already talked about Sherrod and Petrie, and we think that Sherrod's going to go. Petrie, there's a pretty good chance. Um, Jonathan Drouin.
1: I'd say 50-50 on Petrie. Only 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 because of the contract. Not because there's not a willingness to move him, but because of the contract.
0: Jonathan Drouin, whose contract is up at the end of next season, and I believe at the very latest, he'll be dealt at the deadline next season. I don't think he's going to re-up with the Canadians. But in your opinion, Mm -hmm. will Jonathan Drouin be traded before the deadline?
1: Not at this deadline. Mike Hoffman. That's a tough one. And so there's an example of a guy that I don't think necessarily the Habs are like, we have to move him. But it's a question of when teams call, do they step up? Uh the cap hits not too bad. Hmm. But the term could deter some teams, would rather would have had him as a rental, if you know what I mean. I'm gonna say, no. say no.
0: Yeah, Christian Dvorak. No. Uh Arturi Lekoden? Yes. Yoel Armia?
1: I think the term's an issue there.
0: All right. Um, in ending, I think you just said it, but you expect the interim tag to come off of Marty St. Louis at the end of the year? Is that because I do? How about I you? Do.
1: I do, too. I I don't think he, you know, I think people misinterpreted the interim tag, first of all. I think the interim tag is as much about whether Marty St. Louis wants to do this, as opposed to whether the Habs think he can do it, in my opinion.
0: So if there was ever any doubt, um, I don't know if you had a chance to see this, but this is going out um, uh, to try and sell tickets. You know, teams usually put out their star player, their centerman, their 40-goal scorer. Look what the Montreal Canadiens have out there. There you go. A new era has begun. Uh, For season ticket holders, uh, get a hold of us right now. The Canadiens with a picture of Marty St. Louis just hovering above Kent Hughes to his left and Jeff Gordon to his right. That's really the way they're selling this thing right now, right? I have um, not seen that,
1: but that is telling. And by the way, if they really want to sell tickets, they should have Tony Marinero on there. I mean, what are they <laughs> thinking?
0: I don't think so. Uh, I'll tell you what. If we really want views on our podcast, I'll tell you what helps. Having Pierre Lebrun on, <laughs> and if by chance he enjoyed it as much as I did and he wants to tweet it to his like 800 and something followers or retweet it, that would be awesome, Pierre Definitely
1: will tweet it, my friend.
0: This for me today, honestly, and I've said this, I said this to Serge Savard last week when the senator joined me on the SICK podcast. It was an honor to have him. It was definitely an honor to have you. Thanks so much for doing this, Pierre.
1: Tremendous. Uh, great to be on, Tony. You do a great
0: job. See you, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. You can follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter at the SICK podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely for free. The best thing about this podcast is Like me, it's sick. Cheers. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too
1: much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, intense by nature.